Good evening, church. Good evening, church. Today's scripture reading is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 1 to 9. The book of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 1 to 9. The same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach and he told them many things in parables saying a sower went out to sow and as he sowed some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprung up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds among thorns, and thorns grew and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears... Let him hear. And this is the word of the Lord. Well, thank you, Charlotte, for reading for us this evening. <coughs> Shall we bow our heads as we commit this time to the Lord in prayer? So gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word once again that is always there for us. And as we are reminded in your word, that's the importance of hearing and doing. We pray this evening that, Lord, you grant us attentive ears, give us receptive minds, obedient hearts, and willing hands to be able to do what you want us to do. So speak to us as we commit this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I wonder, of all the parables that Jesus told, which of the parables happens to be your favorite one? If there was a survey done right now, it would be certainly interesting to discover the result because I believe each one of you, you have your own preference. And according to the internet, a report showed that the five most popular ones, not necessarily the one maybe your favorite, but the five more popular parables are the following. So if you're ready, we're going to start from the bottom up, Okay. Coming in at number five, the most popular parable in number five is the parable of the rich fool. Disappointed? Okay, I don't know. Okay. The parable of the rich fool talks about this man who is rich. Yeah, he wanted to build more barns, wanted to enjoy his life and so forth. But Jesus came to say that, you know, uh, what is it if you have all these things in the world, but when the, the day comes and you have to sacrifice everything? Right, so number five is the rich fool. Coming in at number four is the parable of the sower. Coming in at number three, the top three, is the lost sheep. Coming in at number two is the good Samaritan. And the top most popular parable, can I have a drum roll? Oh, no drama today. Huh? Okay, now my drum roll. All right, the top most popular parable as uh, done in the survey in the, pop, in, in, in the internet is which one? You all don't know your parable, huh? <coughs> the parable of the 
prodigal son, all right? That happens to be the most popular parable as found in the internet. And so today, as we continue on on our parable series for the year, our focus of attention today happens to be one of the top five lists, the parable of the sower. Now, we find that this parable is one of the very few that is recorded in all three synoptic gospels. And the synoptic gospel includes the accounts of Matthew, Luke, Mark, and Luke. And they are referred to as synoptic simply because many of the, many of the, uh, they have many of the same stories and they're often similar in sequence. And as you are aware, all three of these synoptic gospels stand in contrast to John's writing whose content are largely distinct. If you read John's gospel, you know that John's gospel does not have anything, does not talk about the birth of Jesus, does not mention anything about the parables, does not mention about the life of Jesus, what he has done and so forth. Right? So it's very different, unlike the three synoptic Gospels. Other interesting facts about this parable is that it concerns the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. We know so because if you look in verse 11, when the disciples came to Jesus you know, and asked him, why do you speak to the people in parable? And verse 11 tells us that Jesus answered them. He says, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of of heaven. So this parable really has to do with the, with the secrets concerning heaven. And since the kingdom of heaven is often connected to the end times, this parable is also basically to instruct you and I as how we are to live as true followers of Christ. And here we find that Jesus, in his, as I mentioned last week, in, in parables, Jesus will use everyday image like the common people could relate to. And in this case, Jesus uses the sower, the seed, and the soil. And so in a nutshell, as uh, read by, by Charlotte, this parable tells of a man, most probably that of a farmer. What did he do? He went up to sow seeds on four different types of soil. And based on what we have heard, Perhaps, you know, there are some who have argued that maybe this parable shouldn't have been called the parable of the sower. You know, maybe it should have been called the parable of the seeds. After all, you know, the farmer sows seeds. There are others who lobbied for the fact that maybe instead it should be called the parable of the soil. Because again, the emphasis is on the soil. Or maybe it should be called the parable of the harvest. Well, truth be told, be it sower, seed or soil, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter what this parable is being titled. Why? <coughs> because it involves all four elements. But crucially though, what we should be our main concern is the central point of this particular parable. What is the lesson behind the story? What was Jesus trying to teach us? And so today, if we are to fully comprehend, the, to understand this parable, it's essential before we proceed on, that we need to have this following assumption. We must hold on to this field assumption. That when the seed is mentioned here, firstly, the seed that is sowed represents the Word of God. Secondly, the different soil represents the different people that interact with this seed and how they respond to the Word. As to the sower, the sower here represents anyone who sow the word 
and in particularly, it can concern you and I as well. So with this consideration in mind, we're now ready to unravel the message, the lesson behind this parable. And as stressed in last week's parable on the wise and foolish builder, you find that the theme of this parable, interestingly, deals again with both hearing as well as to the responding to God's Word, or for the matter, the lack of hearing. In fact, you find that if you read this whole passage from verses 1 to verse 23, you can count that the number of times the word hear or the word that's related to hearing is mentioned a total of 15 times. And you find that in a parallel version of this account as recorded in Mark's Gospel, you find that Mark begins with Jesus saying, listen. And then it ends similarly in the same manner with Matthew's account in verse 9 where Jesus concludes, he who has ears, let him hear. And then again, as Jesus begins to explain to his disciples the meaning of the parable, Jesus says this, hear then this parable of the soul. So we can conclude then that according to Jesus, this parable certainly equates to the way people hear the word. But more importantly, it speaks of the consequence when there is a failure to heed the word that is given. Author Roger Ellsworth, commenting on this particular passage, states this. He says, The parable of the sower plainly lays before us this solemn fact. It is what we do with the Word of God that determines our eternal destiny. You see, what Ellsworth is insisting here is that there is that core relationship between hearing and obeying the Word in regard to our final destination in the future. And this is highlighted this is very obvious when Jesus told of this parable of the sower. When we begin to see that the seed, which is the word of, the, which is the word of God, that is being sowed in the four different soils, as I mentioned already, it represents people's life. And so if we break down now the, anal the analogy of various soils which Jesus introduced, we see who they represent. So first up, we have the path soil hearers. Who are these people? Well, here's a reference to those close-minded folks, people who are hardened, you know, people who will not want to listen to the Word even though it speaks of good news. This group of people, they will hold God at arm's length, you know, and, and when they see Christians coming with this good news, they will, you know, put, they, they will just uh, get a distance and maybe even run away. And we can liken this group to the Pharisees in Jesus' time, we know the Pharisees are one who always argue. They were close-minded. Whatever, whatever Jesus teach, they would not listen. They would not accept what Jesus had to say. And for us in our modern times, though we may not have Pharisees, but we can associate this group of people to the atheists. Staunch and entrenched in their own ways, in their beliefs, these atheists, they refuse to let God's Word penetrate into their lives. <clears throat> you know, I came across once a family who came to me to ask 
me to share, uh, to talk to their daughter's uh, uh, husband. <coughs> Happens to be that the daughter uh, married a non-Christian. But lo and behold, I kind of discovered that the husband was actually an atheist. So as I talked to him, hoping to, you know, share with him the good news, he came to me and said, you know, Pastor Darren, it's not that I don't know about Christianity. I know all about Christianity. You know, he boasts, he says that he's been to churches before, you know. But somehow, even though he has gone to church, he heard the good news, he still refused to accept Jesus as his Lord. His argument was simply this. I want to experience Jesus myself. Meaning to say, he wants to he wants Jesus to be real to him. But as you know, for Jesus to be real to him, you need to have that relationship, isn't it? But he says, I will only accept Jesus if he is real to me, if I can feel him, if I can experience him in my life. And so needless to say, this group of people, they will find it difficult to enter into the kingdom of God. Why? Because even though they hear the gospel, they're not willing to be obedient and to do something about it. Then we have the rocky soil hearers. Who are they? Though they these are those who are shallow in their faith. They are shallow in their understanding of the word. <clears throat> yes, they may come to church. They may, you know, uh, 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 agree to your invitation to come, uh, to listen to the word. But yet, when they come into the midst of church, they lack the necessary depth. Because they have no roots. And as Jesus pointed out, they too will fade away as quickly and might not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And let me just say that, you know, the sad truth is that many Christians are like that. They are a reflection of those in the church who are not discipled in the word and in doctrine. Yes, they may, be they, they may desire to want to be Christians. They may attend church service regularly. They say that I want to be baptized, and they sign up for baptism class, and eventually after the 10 weeks or so of baptism class, they eventually get baptized. But you know, once this is done, they somehow mysteriously and quietly slip up of the radar and it's not a regular member anymore. These people embrace wholeheartedly in the emotion of church service. They may get caught up in the beautiful music. Oh, the songs that we sing is so nice. You know, they may be entrenched by the largeness of the congregation. They may be influenced by the preacher, but they are not doers of the word. Because you see, when the emotions die down and when the expectation and needs are not being met, they die along with it. And an excellent biblical example of such emotional hearers are the fickle crowd. The crowd who gathered at the Lord's triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Intrigued by the thought that Jesus is the promised Messianic Savior, what did this multitude do? They line up, crying aloud, Hosanna, Hosanna, as Jesus rode by. But as we know, that when Jesus did not meet the expectation, of the envisionment of the kind of Messiah that they wanted, their cries quickly turned from Hosanna to crucify Him. This group of people only want to hear what they want to hear. Then we have the third group, the thorny soil hearers. 
these are people with mixed priorities. You know, outwardly, yes, they appear to be genuine Christians, but inwardly, they harbor a divided heart. And for this group of people, they bear no fruit. For as Jesus later explained to his disciples, the reason for this is because the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke them. What then are these so-called cares of the world? Well, Jesus identifies them as the worries of life and the deceitfulness of riches to false thinking that wealth can solve all problems. You see, this group of people are not willing to die to themselves. And as a result, they struggle to put God first in their lives. And like the rocky soil hearers, they too can be found in the church today. These are people who tend to hold on tightly to the pleasures of the world. They don't want to seriously put God first in their walk with Him. The rich young ruler is one such example. In Matthew 19, <clears throat> verse 16, 22, if you know, if you recall this particular example, a rich young ruler came to Jesus and asked, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus told him, you must fulfill the, 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 the two great commandments of loving God and loving man. And the rich man quickly said, yes, I've done all this. And then Jesus told him next, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor. And at this point, the rich young man struggled. Why? Because of his riches. Because he was not willing to let go, to die for himself, to let go of his wealth. And Jesus ended up by saying that this rich young man, he came so close only to fall short. Sad, isn't it? that you came so close to the finishing line only to fall short. And finally, <clears throat> Jesus introduced to us the final group of hearers, the good soil hearers. They represent those who not only hear, but they genuinely receive God's Word, and as a result of that, they are obedient to God's Word, and it brings forth life. The Bible tells us that this group of people, there is fruitfulness in their life. Out of them will sprout grain, as Jesus says in verse 8, hundredfold, some 60, some 30. And you find that fruitfulness is one of the fundamental marks of being a disciple. <clears throat> so if we are true, genuine disciples, we must ask ourselves, are we producing fruit in our lives? Are we producing the fruit of the Spirit? Are we living a life of, of, of love, joy, peace, and patience? Are we doing things that is pleasing to the Lord? Because if there's no fruit, it simply means that we are not true disciples of Christ. This group, the good hearers, are producing fruit because they respond to the word of the Lord and not just hearing them. So the application then for us, as we reflect on this explanation by Jesus, the application then for us is to reflect on the following questions. What type of soil are we? Are we 
the good soil? Or are we soil that are rocky? Or are we soil that are thorny? Or are we soil that are hard? What type of soil are we? And I think it's good that we take stock of our life, that as we begin this new year, as we begin right with the Lord, it's good to check and reflect on our lives. And then we need to ask ourselves, how then can we ensure whether we are good soil, rocky soil, or thorny soil, how can we ensure that the seed that we receive, the word that we receive, have the best chance of taking root in our lives? Meaning to say, are there obstacles, are there distractions that can prevent this seed of the word from growing in our lives such that we can be fruitful? We further need to reflect and ask ourselves, what then are the habits, what then are the practices we can cultivate to foster this spiritual growth and maturity. Because remember, remember what Roger Ellsworth says, that it is what we do with the Word of God that determines our eternal destiny. So are we faithful hearers and, and, and faithful obedient to the Word of the Lord? Or are we just people who just hear and don't do anything? So that's the first explanation to this parable. But you know, let me just say that there's another way to interpret this parable of the sower. And as I reflected over this particular passage, I realized that Jesus, since he has mentioned in verse 11, that this parable concerns the secret of the kingdom of heaven, and as I mentioned also that this involves the end times, I would like to therefore offer this explanation to you. It is from the angle that Jesus is calling you and I to be a sower to a world that needs to hear the word. Because you see, if we are indeed to be ready, if we are indeed to be prepared for Christ's second coming, then part of this readiness is for us to be sowing the word to the world. So allow me to unpack then this thinking. You see, knowing, that, knowing full well that there will be resistance when we face and share the word to the world, we find that Jesus in this parable is perhaps you know, sharing his own experience as a teacher of the word. Because you know that where he was on this earth, in his, 30, in his three years of ministry, he went around preaching, teaching the word. And in many of his teaching, he encountered many different responses. And the responses comes from the four different types of soil. <coughs> For example, in the path soil hearers, as I mentioned, it is represented by the religious leaders and Pharisees. These people are close-minded. And so as pointed out, they will not listen to the message that Jesus offered them. In fact, they will even argue. They even challenge Jesus. They will say that Jesus is wrong. And based on this, you and I then, you know, we can be encouraged that if Jesus himself faced much resistance in his witnessing, we can be encouraged that we are not alone. But this should not deter you and I from wanting to do so in our evangelistic endeavors. And as the rocky and as the multitudes that form the crowd under the rocky soil category, we find here that Jesus could relate as to how this group of people, they will appear out of curiosity, you know, they will want to hear him speak in the hope that they may be wow, you know, by some miracles, as why well by some insightful teaching. 
Jesus knew that this group of people would just go along with the flow, go along with the excitement. And then what they hear, they will continue to excitedly tell everybody what they hear and see. But in reality, this group of people don't understand the message. And as a highlight, the reason is because they have no depth, they have no commitment, they have no staying power. And so when the excitement died, they too will fade away. So Jesus also faced this thought of people. And as to the thorny soil, Jesus also could associate them. He associated them with this mixed-up disciples. Because time and time again, you know, when his disciples would hear Jesus, you know, this group of 12 disciples, they never really quite caught what Jesus was talking about. You know, when right to the end, when he was about to, to die on the cross, you know, the 12 were still, <coughs> Jesus was lamenting that the 12 were still thinking of a military kingdom. The twelve were still squabbling among themselves who would be the greatest and arguing who would get the best position in the kingdom. So yes, Jesus come across all this group of people and their different response. And we can term that both the rocky and thorny soil hearers, these are emotionally unstable people. You know, they're always on the roller coaster in their life. One minute they are high, next minute they are low, you know. And I'm sure we have all come across them and encountered them in our midst. So yes, we are all called to be sowers. Jesus is the soul of the world, yet he faced all this resistance. But listen, not all is doom and gloom in the sowing process. Because in this parable, Jesus tells us that there will be those who hear the word. There will be those who respond in faith and obedience. And who are these people? They are the good soil hearers. Their life will ultimately bring forth fruit and new life. And so we see that in this sowing process, though it may be discouraging from the beginning, but in the end, the word encourages us that there will be a change. There will be a great harvest when the seed falls on good soil. Because why? There will be genuine believers who will hear and who want to obey the word. So the rallying cry for us then is this. As we go out and sow the word, don't be discouraged by the failures. Be patient. Keep on trying. Keep on plugging away. Because no matter how unpromising the situation may look, the parable of the sower promises us that there will be a harvest so long as we do our part. And this brings me nicely now to the point that God calls you and I to be sowers. Because look with me again to the passage. Observe here the way the sower sows the seed. Where did he sow the seed? He sowed the seeds on Listen to this, different ground. Now, if you think about this, isn't it strange? If you were a farmer, you want to sow a seed, where do you sow the seed? You will sow the seed on fertile, good soil. But here we are told that in this passage, the farmer knows that in order to receive the harvest, yet instead of sowing only on good soil, he sowed on hard ground, on rocky ground, as well as on thorny soil. 
The picture here that gives to me is simply this, that the sower just plants the seed indiscriminately. He plants the seed unconditionally. He plants the seed generously. Knowing that the path, knowing that the rocky soil, knowing that the corny ground will not be able to bear fruit, he still sowed the seeds there. And using the term that James Moore, a theologian coined, he says that the sower broadcasts the seeds. What's the meaning of broadcast? Broadcast simply means to spread far and wide. And this is the picture of what Jesus commanded to us in Acts 1 verse 8. To broadcast the seed simply means to be his witness in Jerusalem, not only in Judea and Samaria, but to the ends of the earth. So what this means is that the soul does not decide. You know, he does not analyze. He does not say, ah, oh, no, this person, this place is not good to sow. Oh, this place is good to sow. No. He doesn't judge the people if they are worthy to receive the word. The sower just drops the seed into the different soil and listen, he lived the success to God. That's the responsibility of the sower. The responsibility of the sower is to broadcast the good news. The success of the result of the sowing lies in the role of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus tells us in John 16 verse 8 that when He comes, referring to the Holy Spirit, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So the implication here is clear, isn't it? That in this parable of the sower, our calling, you and I, and no one is excused, our calling is to be faithfully sowing the seed everywhere. We are to broadcast the good news, be it on hard ground or good soil. Our task is to sow and then live that fruitfulness that follows to God. We are to sow indiscriminately, imitating the unconditional love of God to the world. And so the, the application then for us is to live out this life of evangelism. Why? Because as our theme for this year reminds us, Christ is coming again. Jesus is coming again. Will we be judged by Him to be faithful sowers? So while we're on this side of eternity, it is your responsibility, it is my responsibility to sow the seed of good news of God's love. We have to sow at every opportunity to everyone, but to leave the result to the work of the Spirit. Now, you know, <coughs> I want to encourage us. Today, if you were to go to 516, if you were to go up to the youth service, you find that the youth service is growing. Partly due to the work of the chaplaincy that we have done, we are able to connect with some of the, uh, the, the school students. But more so because of Lindsay's three boys. You know, if you go up to the youth service today, you'll find that instead of the youth service being filled with Anglican High students, it's now going to be filled with St. Patrick's boys. And the reason is because Ian, Andrew, and and John, they have been inviting their friends to come over. And today you find people, you may hear of people like Kristen, uh, who else, Zach, 
you know. Last week, three of them came, Luke, Lucas, and I can't remember the other name. They're all here. Why? Because the Decruz boys have taken the step to share, to sow the good news to those that they come across. And I think we cannot be left behind, isn't it? I think if we just leave it to the three boys to do this, I think they put us to shame, lah. All right, so I think we better buck up. All right, we better buck up. And so, not to be left out, I want to share with you that part of our exciting initiative for the for this year. All right, what we can do to be sowing the seed. What we'll be doing is that we'll be printing out for you a, a kind of a name card, sort of a, you know, a, a name card. And in this name card, there will be a QR code which will detail information regarding the church. So all you need to do is when you, perhaps, you know, you can use this card to pass to any person that you come across and to invite them to hear about the love of God. You know, it can be the driver who drove you here to the person you sit next onto the bus or maybe to the waiter who serves you. All you need to do is just say, Uncle, Auntie, can I just give you this card? You don't even need to share the gospel. Just give them this card. Hopefully, they will scan the, the, the QR code. They will know where All Saints Church is and they will come and leave. We'll just leave the result, the conviction to the Lord. Our job is just to sow the seed. Another exciting initiative that we're going to come up is in due time, we're going to have this, what we call a coffee cart corner, all right? Uh, we are exploring this possibility of having a barrister type of coffee, you know, so much so that before service and after service, you can invite your friends to come over to church to have a chit-chat, you know, there'll be people there to, to talk to them, to share with them a little bit about what the church is all about and about the love of Christ. Again, there's no need for us to really, you know, intentionally share the gospel, but we just invite them and allow the Spirit of the Lord to minister to them. Now, of course, the intention is not the coffee, lah, huh? okay? The intention is we want them, to, we want to connect with them, we want to share the gospel of Christ. And this is an excellent mean that we can, as a church, sow the seed. So as I asked Dirchi and the team to come up, we find that in conclusion, this parable is really teaching us two lessons. Firstly, it is urging you and I to be good soil, to be hearers and to receive the word so that our lives can be fruitful. But on the other hand, this parable is also about Jesus calling you and I to be sowers of the word to a world that needs to hear the love of God that is represented by the four types of soil. And knowing the challenge that it poses, the difficulty that we will face, Jesus nevertheless encourages us that we must be diligent in sowing the seed, that we must never give up, but we rather trust that the Lord will give us this harvest. Shall we stand? As we close, as the word ministers to us this evening, are we sowers of the word? God has given us this mandate. We need not fear 
whether the result will come because that's not the concern of God. Let me assure you this, brothers and sisters. God is only concerned with whether we are sowing the word. He's not interested whether Mingfi has 10 people that he's brought to Christ. Or maybe Reuben has 20, or Reuben more atas than, than Mingfi. No, he's not interested in that. He's only interested in whether we have taken this opportunity to sow, to share the word to those that we come across. And just let live the result to the Lord. So as we reflect on this word this evening, and as we sing this response song, may God continue to change.